Welcome to the Heme Consult Podcast, a weekly inspiration infusion for women of color and hematology. Dear woman of color and hematology, Heme Consults is your personal space to rest, recharge, and renew your spirit with a weekly infusion of inspiration from hematologist Dr. Toyasi Anwemena. Every Sunday, Dr. Anwemena will remind you that you are a superstar and have everything you need to succeed in your incredible career as a hematologist. Welcome to the Hematology Sisterhood that will transform your world. All right. Hello. Welcome to the Heme Consults Podcast. I am your host, Tracy Anwemena, hematologist, physician scientist, educator, and truth teller. And today's episode is called Mentorless. And the theme scripture for this episode is 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 12. I'm going to start by encouraging you, O woman of color in hematology, that you have everything you need to succeed in your career. Yes, even if you don't have a mentor, you're going to do well. And you're not only going to do well, you're going to succeed, you're going to thrive, you're going to have an amazing career. Because you know what? You actually do have mentors. No, you may not have the one, but you have many people who are rooting for you, who want you to succeed, who are just waiting for you to ask them for what you need (laughs) so that they can help you. And so I just want to encourage you today to just look around and recognize that you have everything you need. Everything you need, first of all, is found in you because you're a superstar. You have no deficits. Yeah, you're a work in progress and you're working towards the better version of you, but you don't come from a place of deficit. You're not lacking. What you are doing is expanding and growing and you're recruiting people to be partners with you on your journey. And as you begin to recognize that, you recognize that you're not looking for the one person who's going to lead you to heaven or lead you to nirvana, because you know what? That person is you. You're in charge. You're in charge of this career. Nobody is going to take over and make it the career you want, except you do that for yourself. And so I just want to just encourage you that Because you're the one who's leading your career, you have everything you need to be a successful leader of your career. And you don't have to feel like you are not enough because you don't have a a person who is the identified mentor for your academic career. You're going to do great. And in further encouraging you, a woman of color in hematology, I want to talk about this thing about mentoring. And, you know, I, I started over the past few weeks a series on mentoring. And I've told you about my journey in mentoring. And, and that's why today's episode is titled Mentorless. That means <laughs> somebody who has no mentor. Because for the longest time in my career, that's how I felt. So to just go back, for those of you who did not listen to the series I began on mentoring from episode Fifteen. So episode 15 was when I talked about a tale of scarcity and a mentoring situation that was not bordering on, but was actually abusive. 
and then I shared about a mentoring situation in episode 16 where I really was a, ment- a wonderful mentor, but was just not the right mentor for me. And then in the last episode, episode 17, I talked about my quest to discover a mentoring committee and how that didn't quite work out well for me until I had actually clarified what I wanted from a specific group of people and had a very specific meeting around a need that I had. And so in continuing in that theme, I just want to talk a little bit about this whole theme of mentoring and academic medicine. You know, I'll tell you that most people don't achieve this thing where there's this one mentor who who gets them to their goal. There are a lot of great mentors out there and there are a lot of people who succeed and find a mentor, but it is not the reality for most people in academic medicine, certainly not in hematology where, to be honest, there are not as many identified hematologists who are really doing a lot of academic things in hematology. And even in the clinical space, there's an identified shortage. And I don't necessarily agree with that. But I would just say that there's a prevailing paradigm that there's not enough hematologists. So in general, your experience, if you do not have an identified primary mentor, is actually common. And I, I don't want you to feel like you are, you know, there's something wrong with you. And this is why I share my story, because this is where I was as well. I started out without a mentor and I was on the quest for the mentor who would help me. And as soon as I found someone who expressed any kind of interest in being a mentor, I gave myself wholly into that mentoring relationship, which is you, if you want to go back to episode 15, you'll find out that it was a detrimental mentoring relationship for me for many reasons, not just about who that mentor was, but who I was as well and how I responded to some of the negative things that came from that mentoring relationship. So I had been on this quest to discover a mentor and I had fallen into the wrong hands, quote unquote. So that's not, again, unique to me. This is actually a theme in academic medicine and and for those who want to go into hematology because there's a sense of scarcity and so you're just always looking and, and, and taking things that maybe you shouldn't take in the name of achieving success. And then, and then I, you know, continued on this journey where I found another mentor who was supposed to be awesome and actually really on paper and really even in person was a wonderful person, but was just not wonderful for me. And so then when that mentoring relationship didn't work out, there was the potential tendency for me to say, is there something wrong with me? Am I the problem? One mentor didn't work out. The next mentor didn't work out. Am I, you know, I'm the, I'm the theme, right? I'm the central theme in the, these two relationships. Is there something wrong with me? And that's why I just want to stop and say, no, there's nothing wrong with you. This is actually pretty common of, of just mentoring relationships that don't work. And for some of you, you may be listening to me and saying, I have a great mentor. What are you talking about? And I just want to say, well done and congratulations. I'm so happy for you that you found that mentor. And I want to encourage you to just recognize that there are not many people who can say what you can say. And so if you are listening and and this is not your problem, then I want you to think about others for whom it is a problem and, and share this episode with them so that they can they can also achieve a win as well. So yeah, so I was on this journey where I found a mentor and that didn't quite work out. And then I found another mentor and honestly, it didn't quite work out. And then I, I was in the space where I was like, okay, let me gather a mentoring committee. Let's make this work by committee. And that didn't work out for me as well. So I found myself in a place where I was mentorless. <laughs> and I, it's not a term I would use for myself. I'm just using it because it's a word. It's a thing that apparently 
people identified to be a problem. Everywhere I would go, people I trusted, you know, they would say, Tayosi, who's your primary mentor? And I would be like, I don't have one. They're like, oh, that's a problem. You may not succeed. This is not going to go well. Everybody needs a primary mentor. You can't succeed without a primary mentor. And I finally stopped one day and I asked, what, what, is, what would a primary mentor do for me? <laughs> and they're like, well, this is the person who would meet with you every week and just make sure you're on track. And and, and I honestly, each time I would listen to that, I would be like, yeah, mm, I don't know what to tell you, but that doesn't work for me. It's not working for me. And I think that many women of color identify themselves in the same spot where there's just many people who are happy to have you help them in their work. But are they mentoring you to achieve the goal that you want? That's the gap. The gap is that there are people who are happy to give you projects to do, happy to have you work on things. But are they really there to help you succeed? Are they there to allow you to win like you want to win and that i think is the challenge that many women of color find themselves in and that's where i found myself and i just really i really did feel like i was you know i i had a deficit because everywhere i went people told me that was missing was your primary mentor who's your mentoring team what's going on with you are you going to succeed Anyway, so in the midst of this sense of like, oh, I can't, I can't find anyone. It really was a long quest. I'll tell you, this is, this is like several years of looking for the mentor. Until I finally got to a place where I was like, you know what? I, I don't, I can't do this thing. It's not working for me. I had had enough experiences that I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to invest this energy anymore. And around the same time, what was interesting is I had attended a workshop, a career development workshop on campus. It was actually a writing workshop and it was a really great experience. We had really brought a writing product that we would work on. And at the end of that workshop, people were just talking and somebody said, oh, yeah, have you done faculty success program? And, and someone said, well, yeah, faculty success program was transformative. It was awesome. And I was like, faculty success program, what's that? <laughs> And so I went looking and I found that, oh, Faculty Success Program is a signature offering of the National Center for Faculty Development and Diversity, NCFDD, which was founded by Carrie Ann Rockamore, who was a faculty member, a tenured faculty member, who founded this organization to help underrepresented minorities in academia succeed in achieving tenure and promotion. And so people had, you know, vouched for it. I looked it up. I got a little bit of sticker shock, but I was like, they said that this is good. I'm going to do this. And, and I did it. It was a 12 week boot camp, And I have to tell you that it really transformed my writing career. It really transformed my academic life. In fact, it transformed my entire life. And I can't do it justice on this podcast episode. And this is not what this podcast episode is about, but really what Carrie Ann did for me in that boot camp, and in fact, you know, Carrie Ann's the founder, but it's a whole company, is really helped me clarify for myself what my primary goals were as an academic person. And, and it was, and she did it for me, the program, the Faculty Success Program boot camp did it for me in a way that really just, I mean, it was just so clear to me. At the end of it, I was like, oh, this is what I should have been doing all along. <laughs> and it was a transformative experience because following that 12-week program, which I stayed on as an alumni and I continue to be an alumni in the Faculty Success Program, it really transformed my understanding of what were my priorities 
It put me in the driver's seat of my career where I started to clarify for myself what I needed to do and how to succeed in my research and writing career. So that was one thing that came out of the faculty success program founded by Carrie Ann Rockamore. At about the same time, I also ran into another person called Sarah Dobson, who did a short, free grant writing course. And I got on her mailing list and I started to get emails from Sarah. And oh my goodness, every word she spoke just resonated with me. And she talked about how difficult it was to get grant funding. And part of that was because it had never been taught to me. And it wasn't part of my training, but it was such an important piece of my academic career. But how was I going to get the information I, I needed? And so I signed up with Sarah to learn a lot more about grant writing. And, you know, Sarah Dobson has got a lot of transformative things to share. But I'll tell you the one thing that changed my experience was when I came back after a concept review not the one I talked about in the last episode, but another one where I was really terrified and all these people were pulled into a room that I didn't know. I wasn't even sure what their expertise was specifically. But I was, you know, at the end of the meeting, I, I left feeling confused. <laughs> I, was, I was confused. I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do at the end of their feedback. Anyway, so I came to Sarah's um, weekly office hours. Oh, yeah, she had weekly office hours. And, and I just shared with her, what do you do when people give you all this feedback and you don't know what to do with it? And the first question she asked me was, but do you agree with their feedback? And I did a double take. I was like, huh? These are the experts. What do you mean, do I agree with them? She was like, no, this is your grant. Do you agree with their feedback? Are they giving you a direction in which you want to go? Because at the end of the day, if you end up with a grant you hate, you still have to do it. And that really was the very first time I had entertained the concept that I was in charge. Not the people who were the experts who were already funded, who the NIH already knew them by name, had their number on speed dial. Yeah, didn't matter how successful they were. This was my grant. And she was asking me, do you agree with what these people are telling you? Is that where you really want to go with your grant? And I have to tell you that that was a transformative experience for me where it started to become clear to me that I was the one in charge of this research program. Yeah, they may call me junior faculty, but I was in charge. Anyway, so that was Sarah. And then the third person who really transformed my life was Kemi Dahl. So Kemi has a grant writing program called Get That Grant. And it's so much more than a grant writing program. It is so much more. And it actually had a lot of the foundational things that I had learned along the way and more. And Kemi's program is available for faculty in academic medicine, specifically women of color in academic medicine. And, you know, I have to say that when I ended Kemi's program, there was just this sense of not only am I in charge of my research career, not only am I in charge of my writing of my research grants, I'm in charge of setting the direction for what kinds of projects I will do. I would say that that's one of the most transformative things that came for me out of that experience in Kemi's program 
was that not only am I in charge of this thing, I get to say where I go. <laughs> See, up until this point, remember I told you I had been doing all this cardiology research. I, I've talked about that in prior episodes. I've been doing all this cardiology research because people were like, this is where the money is. This is where you should go. This is what you should do. And I was like, well, that's not really what I want to do, but they said it's going to succeed. And my mentors are telling me this is what I'm supposed to do. So, okay. But it was really in this program, in Kemi's program, that I learned to understand that nobody sets the direction for me. I set the direction for myself. And I really took out of that space a new direction for my research program that really energizes me and just inspires me. And, and that was just such a cool outcome. So I share these three amazing women who are killing it in the academic workspace without actually necessarily being in academia. So Karen Rockmore, I think she sold her company. She's still the founder, but I don't think she's actively involved anymore. But she essentially left academia to found an independent institute that supports faculty members. Sarah Dobson quit, <laughs> quit academia a long time ago, but she's still using her skills that she learned to help people who are trying to make these academic careers work in grant writing. Kami Dahl is still an active faculty member who is using all the knowledge that she's gained along the way to help people succeed. So I was finding all these amazing resources that were helping me put together the structure that I had previously been hoping that a mentor was going to give to me. And so now from the faculty success program, I had structure. I had my strategic plan. I had my weekly planning meeting. I had my weekly accountability. I had my check-ins daily. From my experience with Sarah Dobson, I started to question whether the direction the people around me were leading me in was the way I wanted to go. And from Kemi's program, I got a sense of, no, I'm not even going to go this way anymore. This is the way I want to go. This is the impact I want to make. And so all the things that I thought a mentor would have given me, wow, I got it from all these women who were just killing it in business. First of all, they inspired me, but most importantly, they helped me succeed in the way that people thought I couldn't succeed without a mentor. And so when I showed up at my last annual review and I was like, and I did this, and then I did this, and I submitted this number of papers, and I submitted this number of grants, and I was invited to give this talk, and I was invited to do that, I have to tell you that I blew my director away. I blew my chief away. It was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing productivity. I'm like, yeah, it is. And you know what? Didn't come from a primary mentor. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just thought that in my head. But anyway, I think that's the end of the story. But I share all that to just talk to you about three things that come to me from this story. So the first lesson I want to share is that, wow, what a lot of time and energy went into looking for the one mentor who was going to help me. Oh my goodness, I spent years and I invested a lot of time in people who hurt me, maybe intentionally or not intentionally, and maybe I'll turn that around. In people, I, I invested a lot of energy in people whose methods resulted in harm to me. And all of that wasn't necessary. But as long as I was looking for the one, I tolerated some stuff just so that I could, I could get, I could win, I could win in my career. And I wasn't until I 
just couldn't find one, then I, I had to ask myself whether I was going to continue to put energy into finding something that didn't seem to be materializing for me or whether I was going to look for something else. So that brings me to lesson number two is that I couldn't see any mentors, any potential mentors until I stopped searching. Until I decided that, you know what, I'm not going to find the one. I couldn't see what was around me. Because if I had opened my eyes, remember I told you a while ago that in my life was a woman named Laura who had introduced me to the field of hematology. And I may, if you recall from the earlier episodes, I talked about a woman named Betty who first showed me what things I was supposed to be doing. So you know what, all along the way, I actually had mentors. I had mentors who had been leading me all along the way, but I was looking for the one. So then I couldn't recognize what I did have. And as long as I was in the deficit mindset of I was mentorless, I couldn't actually find these people who could show me the way. And as long as I was in the process of saying I needed a mentor to lead me, I couldn't lead myself. Because if I was leading myself, I would have clarified what I needed and then I would have gone out to get what I needed. Remember, we talked about that in episode 17, where we talked about the mentoring committee. But I wasn't leading myself because I was looking for the one who could lead me. And I got into a lot of trouble. And so when I finally stopped pouring all my energy into searching for the one, I finally could see all the mentors around me who could help me. And that leads me to lesson number three. What I needed to succeed in academic medicine had already been defined by so many people. And it's not a coincidence that once I stopped looking for the one, I found the three. If I'm going to call Carrie Ann, Sarah, and Kemi the three, and I would say these are the three women who really contributed to my career development and my advancement. These women together have just done amazing things for me, and I don't know if they know it. And, but, but they created structure around the thing that maybe mentors traditionally are supposed to do. And so what I need and what you need to succeed in this career in hematology has actually already been defined by other people. And you, if you would just take the energy out of looking for the one, and you can find the many who are ready to help you because no matter what you want to achieve in academic medicine, somebody else has done it. You want to get an R01, somebody else already has an R01. You want a U54, someone else already has a U54. You want to publish a manuscript, someone has already published a manuscript. You want to give a talk, someone's giving a talk. So if you know the one thing you need, stop looking for the one person who's going to give you all of it and just find one person who can give you one thing. Just say from now on, I'm going to ask you now, I'm going to do a call to action before time. From now on, say, this is what I need and find the one person who can help you show you how to do it. Stop looking for the one person who's going to give you everything. I know I keep saying that, but it's really important because I don't want you to be like me where I spent years looking for the one and then and then a few years too late. This, well, it was never too late for me. It's never too late. But I just don't want you to invest the kind of time I invested looking for the one that didn't actually exist for me. And I'm not saying you shouldn't look for the one in mentoring. I'm just saying that you already, the one already exists in different formats in your life. It may not all be in one person, but it exists in different people. And so I'm just, just sharing that, you know, I... I, I needed things to succeed because I wasn't sure which way to go forward, but there were other people who already were, were sharing how to do that. And so I just want to encourage you that in your academic pursuits, you, you can find people to help you, even if you have no mentor. 
So you don't have to look at yourself as someone who's mentorless. All right, so that leads me to my calls to action. I want to just say, you know what? Instead of using your energy to search for the one perfect mentor like I did, why don't you put your energy into defining your needs? I want to ask you to do that this week. I want you to sit down and say, what do I need? What do I need to succeed in my career? Is it three manuscripts? Is it seven a year? That sounds like a lot. Is it three a year? I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know where you are at your stage in hematology. You know what's defined as success. And, and you know it has to align with your own definition of success. You may be like, well, you need seven grants. And you're like, well, I don't want seven grants. That's so good. You need to know. And so instead of using that energy to be like, okay, let me find the person who's going to take me to the place that I'm not even sure I want to go to. I want you to just spend time this week putting energy into figuring out what you need. What do you want to do? Because the thing is that all these people, well-meaning and not well-meaning, they have a destination for you, but it may not be where you want to go. And so you're searching for them. And when you find them, they're going to take you to a place you don't want to go. Was it worth that search? And so I just want to call you to please put your energy into defining what you need. Because that's going to help you figure out who you actually need for the journey or how many people. Because it's usually not one you need for the journey. And I will tell you that if it's only one person, then it's a sign that your, your destination, your plan, your goal is not big enough. But if it's going to be big, if it's going to be huge, and I have a sense that it is huge for you, then it's really going to take more than one person. I think my second call to action is... You should go out and find people who resonate with you and who can help you achieve the success that you desire. Maybe it's not at your institution. I talked about in an earlier episode how when I started leaving my institution for other career development programs, all of a sudden my life changed. These are some of the programs I was alluding to. It's that these women have established programs that are not within the traditional academic setting, but they work. They help people succeed because they've developed frameworks that help people succeed. And so I just want to just encourage you that people like them are out there. I'm here. We can tell you how to succeed. And, and you, should, you should definitely take the time to figure out people who've already done it successfully, who are helping other people do it successfully, and, and go and, and get what you need. Because the success you desire is in front of you. You will achieve it. But it's not going to be somebody else that's going to lead you there. You're going to lead yourself there. And you're going to invite partners to be with you on the journey. And then call to action number three is then take the advice they give you. Take all the insights these wonderful people share with you. And then put all your energy into leading your dream career. Invest all your energy all that energy that you had taken in the past to give to finding a mentor or maybe you found a mentor and you're giving all your energy to supporting their research career use that energy into leading your own career use that energy into building your own vision because your vision is huge your vision is not status quo and you know what you are a minority voice in a big system and doesn't you know, it doesn't mean you're not important. It just means that there are more voices than you that are louder. And so when you bring your work forward and you say, this is what I want to do, they start laughing because they can't see where that's going to go. But the perspective you are leading from is important. And no, it won't have the support of the majority. 
And for this reason, a lot of energy is going to need to be invested to make it succeed. And that's why you can't use all that energy looking for people or investing it in these mentors who have no clue how to help you achieve your dream because they don't even understand why the dream exists. They're like, why don't you be more like me? And you're like, no, I don't want to be like you. I want to be like me. And they're like, I don't understand what that is. And I want you to take your energy away from those people and put it in your own work and put it in the work that you feel led to do, you feel called to do, because you know what? You're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to be fulfilled until you lead the work that you came to do, until you lead the change that you came to make. And so I just want to encourage you. Now I want to ask you to do that. Take the advice of people who have succeeded and are teaching other people to succeed and use it to put all your energy into leading the career that you actually want. So I think that ends today's podcast episode. Look, if you found this episode to be helpful to you, I want to ask if you would please find another woman of color in hematology and share it with them. If you like what you've been hearing, and you've been listening to the podcast for a couple of episodes now. It's relatively new, so we're still not very well-known. And honestly, it's a small niche. It's women of color in hematology. I want to ask you to share it, because if this has helped you, then it's likely it's going to help someone else. So I'm just asking if you would please share it. We're on all podcasting formats, not just on Apple Podcasts, so anybody can find us. And lastly, you know what, if you, if you want to share how this podcast is helping you, how it's helping you rethink your career, reach out to me and let me know. You can send an email to me at info at coedcoach.com. And I want to hear about how you are making change in your career happen. Because you know what, my goal is to change the rhetoric, is to change the narrative in hematology. This whole thing about there's not enough people interested in hematology, it's just, I just know it, that it's not true. Because you're here, and the change you want to lead is awesome. What is happening is that people haven't made space for you. That's why they think no one's interested, but you are interested. And I just want to encourage you to stay interested. And, and that's what I'm about. That's why I'm here. So if this is helping you, please let me know. I really want to hear about it. I'm looking forward to the change that you're going to bring to hematology. All right. Thank you for listening. If you want, you can continue the conversation online with me at coagcoach.com. Otherwise, I will see you next time. Take care.